You're listening to the Cornerstone Family Worship Center podcast. Making disciples, building community, and growing together in faith and love. today uh, honoring fathers. We do honor the Father uh, above all fathers, as I said, the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty who sits on his throne and who is the Father of us all. Amen. But uh, the title of the message this morning is God's example of fatherhood. God's example of fatherhood. People who are in business are always looking for a a mentor uh, that they can learn from. People who are into sports, they look for coaches and mentors that can feed into them and help them do better. And as fathers and as parents, we want to go to the one who can mentor us and who can show us how to be the very best fathers that we can be. Now, uh, if you're a single mom raising children, you can apply much of this message to your, uh, to your heart today as well. Amen. But uh, we're going to look at God's example of fatherhood. As Christians, we seek to be like Jesus, right? That's what we endeavor to do as Christians. We want to be footstep followers of Jesus. We look at his teachings. We learn from his teachings. We apply his teachings as we go through life. And uh, though he was limited in his earthly body, when he was here on the earth, he was limited. He laid aside his glory to come and indwell a human body just like ours. Amen. And so he was limited. We, don't, we have no scripture that shows us or that speaks of Jesus being in two different places at once. Just didn't happen because he was limited to that human body. So although he was limited in his earthly body, <clears throat> he taught us how to submit unto our heavenly Father. The Bible tells us that Jesus only did those things that pleased his Father that he only did those things which his father directed him to do. Everything that Jesus did in the earth, he was under the direction of God the Father. So Jesus is our example of how to submit our lives unto the Father. We look at Jesus, we see what he did, we do the same. Amen? But the Father is our example or our, our pattern of fatherhood. Fatherhood. Jesus was submitted to the Father. And so uh, if we want to be good fathers, we should follow the example of the greatest father. Amen. In the entire universe, he is the greatest father. So we want to be like God or God-like, or another word would be godly. In our conduct in this world, we want to be godly. So what are some of God's attributes as our Father in heaven. First one, let's just pray first before we get into this. Lord, in Jesus' name, open our hearts, open our minds, soften our spirit, man, Lord, to be able to receive 
the good word of the Lord today into our hearts. I pray over this message and over each and every one of us that are here today and over this preacher that's preaching it. Lord, we pray that it will be mixed with faith in each and every one of us and build us up to be better men, better women, better Christians in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the first thing is that uh, he, God loves his children unconditionally. God loves his children unconditionally. And so if we want to pattern our lives after him, we need to love our children unconditionally. Now there are different ways of loving our different children because they have different dispositions, different natures, and you've got to go with uh, the nature of that child. You know, we, we know we have uh, strong-willed children, we have compliant children, uh, and we, we work within the parameters of what God has instilled in them as a human being. Uh, so uh, yet we love them unconditionally. Our love for them is unconditional. God does not measure out his love to us based upon our performance. Amen. Can somebody say hoorah <laughs> for that? Amen. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, bless us uh, according to our performance. Uh, he doesn't love us, I should say, according to our performance. Because even if we fail, he still loves us. That's what unconditional love does. If we fail, he still loves us. If your children fail, you still love them. Amen? And uh, as a matter of fact, even when we are in rebellion against God, he still loves us. You know, there are times when we rebel against God. God says thus and so, but we want it thus and so. And so we rebel and we recoil from his word. And we, don't, we don't submit to it. Amen? So uh, even if we're in that state, God still loves us. There's not a thing that we can ever do that will make him love us more than he loves us right now. You can't, you can't merit his love. He just loves you unconditionally. Amen. Neither is there anything that we could ever do to make him love us any less than he loves us right now. That's a good thing. That's a great thought to think of both of those. I can't love him any, I can't do anything more to make him love me more and I can't do anything in opposition to him to make him love me any less than what he loves me right now. His love never quits. Amen. It never gives up. Amen. Love never quits, never gives up, never gives up on me. <laughs> Something like that, right? That, that chorus. <laughs> he said to Israel, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. God's love is consistent. Amen. <clears throat> so does that mean that God never gets angry with his children? Hmm. No. <laughs> Not at all. He is a good, good father, and he does get angry with his children sometimes. Amen. So God's anger is kindled when his children disobey him. But he does not take his anger out on them, on his children. He doesn't take his anger out on his children. Parents, we need to follow the pattern of God. We need to not allow our anger to be taken out on our children. They may have done something wrong. They may have done something to upset us. 
but we don't direct our anger at them. Our anger is because they did something that wasn't right. Amen. And we have to be careful that we separate that. God, God does that perfectly. Amen. Uh, he doesn't take his anger out on his uh, children. He expresses his anger uh, with their actions. When God's children step out of line, God is angry at what they did. Amen. In other words, uh, if they've done wrong, he's angry over that situation. Why? Because their disobedience brings pain and suffering upon themselves. And see, God just does not want his children to be harmed. He does not want his children to be hurt. So he, he's not happy when they step out of line because he knows that it's just hurting them. Same, they, same way that we would correct our children. Amen? If our, if our child goes to touch a stove and we say no, and he's not hearing us, he's still going for it, we're going to smack that hand and let him know. What are we doing when we do that? We're letting him know that if you go here, if you do this, you will harm yourself. And so we have to correct uh, them, and, and the Lord will do the same with us. He's, he's not going to uh, uh, beat up on us uh, because we've stepped out of line or because we've missed the mark somewhere along the line. <clears throat> uh, but he, he doesn't want us to be hurt. So yes, he does get angry, but... Psalm 30, verse 5 says this, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Woo! Doesn't that make you happy? If God ever does get angry at something that I do, he's only going to stay angry for a short while. Amen. Because his loving favor is upon me forever. Amen. So we should pattern our anger after his. Don't beat your children down when they fail to obey you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. So there's a place of anger. The Lord allows for anger, but he says don't cross the line with that anger to the point of sinning. Amen. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. The NIV says it this way. In your, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now that applies to all of us as Christians and brothers and sisters in the Lord. If I'm angry with my wife, I don't take that to bed with me and get up in the next morning and still have that anger brewing in my heart. I need to bury that before the sun goes down. That's what this verse of scripture is saying. Get rid of it now. Don't harbor it. Don't, don't keep it uh, festering in your heart because it'll just keep popping up at another event. Amen. Don't treat your children, if, if God expects us to do that with each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord, then, then don't treat your children in a way that brings anger out of them because this will cause them to be discouraged. It will cause your children to be discouraged. Col Colossians chapter 3 verse 21 tells us that. 
Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Provoke not your children to anger. Don't do those things which causes anger in them. Now, you can ground your kids and they'll get angry with you. Amen? So it's not, it's not saying that, that anything that you do uh, will never bring anger to your children. But he's talking about provoking them to the point to where there's a rage inside of them uh, constantly against you and against your authority. So you, you, don't, you don't want to, uh, uh, to provoke that in kids. There's enough of that that they'll find all by themselves. Amen? Uh, so we don't want to provoke it. We don't want to uh, stir it up. We don't want angry kids. A good way not to have angry kids is not to walk around angry all the time. Amen. good way not to have critical kids is not to criticize everybody all the time. A good way to teach your children how to love one another is be loving. A good way to teach your children how to be patient is to be patient. We have, to, we have to strive to do those things ourselves in our lives so as to be the kind of example to our kids that we would have them to be. We don't want to just say, do as I say, but not as I do. We want to be able to say, do as I do, because I'm doing the right thing. Follow my footsteps. Follow the way that I do it. Amen. I, I know that uh, this is probably true in your life as well as mine. I know I've heard a lot of other people say this as well that I didn't realize how smart my dad really was until I got older. I thought he didn't know anything. I knew it all. You know, at 13 years old, I, I knew it all. He doesn't know anything. But the older I got, it seemed like the wiser he got. But really, the same wisdom was there all along. I just began to see it for the real wisdom that it was. When parents tell their kids that they shouldn't hang out with a certain group of kids because uh, they don't want that kind of influence to influence their lives, kids rare, raise up and they say, who are you to choose my friends? I can choose my own friends. Well, you're going to choose your own friends eventually. But right now, while you are a child, and I know that a lot of us here have grown children, uh, but some of you are still raising little ones, so you need to hear this. Uh, that, uh, you know, that uh, we're, we're to be an example to them. We're, we're, to, we're to not just tell them what to do, we're to show them how to act. And while they're little, you have to speak into their life. And you have to lead them and guide them into what is right. Sad, today, parents are giving up that authority in their home and in their families. And they're allowing the school systems to raise their children. And they're complying and they're conforming to a new way of teaching. And the new way of teaching is let your children just do whatever they want. Let your children be whatever they want. And if your little six-year-old says, your little six-year-old boy says that he wants to be a girl, you have to just have your hands off and allow that to happen. Folks, this is not biblical. <laughs> And this is not good stuff to just let your kids do whatever they want. 
God doesn't just let us do whatever we want. He does give us a free will, and the end thing is that we're going to choose. He gives us the choice. But he does lead and guide us into the right way. He does speak into our lives. He does try to bring us to the path of righteousness and right living and godliness. Amen. And he tells us in his word to abstain from those things that are evil. Steer clear of it. Stay away from it. So we have to teach our children the same way. Amen. But we don't, we don't just browbeat them and we don't speak things into their life that provoke that kind of anger and rage in them that just stays with them and they become a, a, uh, a raging kind of a person. You don't want that in your children. So that's what Colossians is saying. That's what the, the Apostle Paul is saying there. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, angry lest they be, be discouraged. This, that word, the first part of the word dis uh, means to take away uh, or to cause someone to lose confidence or enthusiasm, to demoralize, to dampen, or to dash one's hopes. We don't want to do that to our children. And God does not do that to us. So he's the pattern. He's the example that we're following after. He's a good father. And the way he treats his children should be the way that we desire to treat our children. Amen. Uh, we'll fall short along the way for sure. But that's what we're striving towards. Amen. So we don't want to provoke them to anger, yet a good father will discipline or correct his children. Why? Because the best father in the universe disciplines his children. Amen. So if we want to have God as our mentor uh, as to what fatherhood is all about, then we look at the fact that he also disciplines his children. So God disciplines his children. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, and I'm reading from the NIV. It says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is training you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. So God chastises his children, God chastens his children, God corrects and disciplines his children. And anytime that we bring discipline to our children, it should be, uh, the, the word discipline uh, means to teach to correct and to bring them to a place of understanding. So that's what, we, that's what we need to do when we're teaching. It's not just about punishment for doing wrong. It's about correction. It is about instruction. So God disciplines us. And, and so he's saying here, if God didn't discipline us, he would not be a good father. And it's saying that about God. And if we don't discipline our children, we're not being good parents. Amen. We're not being good fathers, good mothers. Amen. So there's a time for discipline in it. And in that discipline, we are trying to shape them and to help them. Actually, we want to get our kids to a place of thinking for themselves. Amen. While they're little, we have to teach them what is right 
to think about what is right. But as they're growing, we want them to learn how to think about doing what is right on their own without having to get instruction or having someone standing over them. Because we're trying to raise our children from the time that they're little to become independent, right? Isn't that the word that we, that we strive for, that once they get 18, 20 years old, 30 years old, whatever, it's a little bit longer nowadays, it seems. Uh, but we want our kids to get on their own feet. We want them to become independent. And so we're teaching them that and training them that all their life. Funny thing about getting saved and coming into the kingdom of God, the Lord is trying to reverse that as far as our relationship with him. He's trying to get us to become totally dependent upon him. Amen. Totally dependent upon him. So it's a little bit reverse of the way that we're teaching our children as they're growing up. But we want them to come to that place of being able to think for themselves. So therefore, uh, discipline is proper along the way. Amen. If you have a, if you have a kid that... Uh, that uh, just stomps their foot and, and just tells you how to run the house, you know, at five years old, that's probably not a good thing. And it's definitely not a good thing if you acquiesce to their demands. So you're, you're the one in charge. You're the parent. You're the authority in the home. And you're the one to uh, teach them and discipline them. Proverbs 3, uh, verses 11 and 12 in the NIV again, it says there, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Amen. So God disciplines his children because he loves his children. We discipline our children because we love our children. Amen. We have to use uh, words and actions when we're disciplining our children and when we're teaching them. Uh, if we're going to bring about proper discipline, it's going to take verbal communication and it's going to take actions as well. Set parameters and warnings with your words. God does that in his word for us. Deuteronomy 28 tells us the whole, a whole list of blessings if we will obey the Lord. He tells his children, obey me and these are the blessings that will come upon you. Disobey me and these are the cursings that you can expect. Why? Because we brought that upon ourselves. It's not because God just wants to be mean. It's because we've opened the door for our disobedience to the curses of the enemy. So we have to set parameters and warnings with our words we speak to them. Then we got to follow through with actions or consequences. It does no good just to threaten children with consequences and then not follow through. Because all that does is you, you tell them one more time, one more time and you're going to get it. One more time and you're going to get a time out. One more time and you're going to have to go in the corner. One more time and you're going to be grounded. And so they learn after a little while that you don't really mean what you say if, the, if you don't bring the consequence of what you've set out for them. So 
if you have a teenager, 13 years old, and the, and the, the, the parents say, uh, it is your responsibility to load the dishwasher and uh, to, to mop the floor or whatever. That's your job. Well, the kid doesn't do it. You have to verbalize again and communicate and say, hey, this is your job. This is what I expect you to do. And furthermore, if you don't do that, you're going to be grounded or whatever the, whatever the consequence might be. Then that child tries to go across that line again. And if you don't bring the consequence to bear, they'll do it again and again and again. You know why? It's human nature. It's human nature. Sometimes we're the same with God. We try to get away with as much as we can <laughs> before we cross the line. I know pastors are asked a lot of times by kids in their teen years, how far can I go with my girlfriend before it's sin? You know, can we make out a little bit? Is petting a sin? Is, you know what I mean? They, they want to they wanna go right to wherever the limit is. They want to go right to the limit. Amen. Uh, steer clear of all of that. <laughs> That's what you tell your teens. You wait until the time is right for that in your life. Amen. <clears throat> Marriage, yes. <laughs> I kissed you before we got married. We kissed the first time at Grace. Over there at that church. Kneeling on her knees at the altar is the first time I kissed you. That was after I asked you to marry me. Yeah. First time. But I kissed her a lot between then and the day we got married, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but that's a danger zone. It is a danger zone. Amen. So you, you want to you wanna, uh, make sure that you stay clean and pure and holy before the Lord. Amen. But uh, <clears throat> you, you have to set those parameters and then you have to uh, you have to bring the consequence to bear once they've done what you told them not to do. Amen. If not, then you're just, you're just blowing hot air, and uh, they can expect that the next time that you say that, you really don't mean it. You really don't mean it. So when God says to us, if we obey him, he will bless us. If we disobey him, there will be consequences. God means what he says, and God says what he means. That's the pattern we want to follow. When I say that to my kids, they need to know that I mean what I say. And I say what I mean. Amen. <clears throat> and so parents should be the same way. They should do the same thing. And then another thing about God, and we should pattern ourselves after this, is that God affirms his love for us. He's constantly affirming his love for us. The Bible is replete with verses and passages uh, whereby God makes known how much he loves us. 1 John chapter 4 verse uh, John chapter 4 verse 10 says this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. 
So that's one verse of scripture that tells us about God loving us. And there, there are many, many other ones. Another one is uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. And it says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. So as fathers, we should do the same with our children. God encourages us uh, with his love throughout the scriptures. He affirms uh, his love to us many, many different ways and many different passages that we read in the, in the word of God. Uh, he is letting us know how much he loves us. So as fathers, we should do the same for our children. We should verbally affirm our love for them. In other words, we should be telling them that we love them. As a matter of fact, it's a good thing for husbands and wives to do with each other. Amen? I love you, honey. I love you, dear. Amen. Mary and I laugh at each other. A lot of times we'll be out to dinner and we'll be sitting across from each other and one of us will say, I love you. I love you too. How come we always say that when we're eating? <laughs> but it's a good thing to say whenever you can say it, amen, that we should verbalize that the fact that we love our kids. And so, so fathers should do that as God does it as well. Tell them uh, that you love them. Let them know that you love them with words. Uh, we, all, we buy them toys, we buy them this and that and the other thing, and that's all nice, that's all well and good, and, you know, we want to provide for our kids and we want them to enjoy things. But we need to tell them that we love them. Amen. Tell them how important they are to you. Because kids have a tendency to think that they're unimportant in the life of adults. You know what I mean? But they're, they're people too. <laughs> they're just little people. They're smaller than us. Their brains are not uh, mature yet. They're, you know, they're, they're still growing, but they're, they're people. I remember one time I was, before I was a Christian, I went up to the bar at the corner of the street, and I was coming home and walking, walking down the street, and a little kid was on his bicycle just learning how to ride his bike. I don't know how old he would have been, four or five years old, whatever. But, uh, you know, he saw me coming up the sidewalk, and so he wasn't real sure of himself, so he stopped and leaned on his uh, leg and just held his bike up until I passed by, you know. And as I'm walking by him, I just looked down at him and I said, hey, how you doing, how you doing buddy? Something like that, you know, as I walked by. And I just kept walking. I got a few squares down the sidewalk and he goes, hey. And I turn around and look. He's still hanging there. He says, thanks. <laughs> just a little guy. <laughs> he said, thanks. But, you know, that's what kids, you know, they, they appreciate the fact that we uh, acknowledge them as, as human beings, you know. And so we have to tell our kids uh, that we love them. They, there's something uh, innate in those kids that expects that, especially from their moms and dads. They want to hear from their mothers and their fathers that they love them. Amen. And then tell them how special they are. Each and every one of our kids are special, and they're special in their own little ways. We love all of them unconditionally, uh, but we minister to each of them in different ways. Amen. But we need to tell them how very, very special they are. And then another thing that we can do to affirm our love for them is to just 
shower them with lots of hugs and kisses. Hugs and kisses. Hugs and kisses. <laughs> Just lots and lots of hugs and kisses. Amen. I love to hug my kids and to give them a kiss. And, and now I get, to, I get to do it a second time with my grandbabies. Just hug them and kiss them and let them know how much I love them, you know, by that outward affection. It's sad, but there are a lot of people who, who grew up in a home, and maybe somebody here can identify to it, grow up in homes where there's none of that. There's no verbal expression of love. There's no tangible, no touching, uh, hugging, embracing, kissing. There are some kids that don't have any of that when they're growing up. And, and if you've been there, then, then you, know, you know that. And you probably, in your mind, say, I, yeah, I wish I would have had a little bit of that while I was growing up. Amen. Give it to your kids, dads. You can't give them enough of that. I, I really don't think you can give them enough of that. Amen. And then we even play. Uh, we had uh, Ezra over last night. And, you know, I used to be the, just the top dog. He'd come in the house, dada, dada. Dada, dada. Now he comes in the house. It's yaya, yaya, yaya. I said, "Where did you switch? How come yaya is so important now?" You know, he doesn't know what I'm saying when I say all of this stuff. But I say, "How come she's so important?" And then he gets up on her lap last night and he grabs her cheeks and he just goes. <laughs> I mean, he lays one on her and I'm going, "I am so jealous, Ezra." <laughs> You came up in your grandma's lap and just give her a big kiss like that and uh, unsolicited, you know, just... Mm. But, but we love it. I, I love to kiss them. Isn't it fun, Walt, kissing your grandbabies? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So, so we ought to do that. We ought to shower them with lots of, lots of hugs and kisses. I believe that that's a, a way to affirm to them our love for them. And then one of the best ways to set a good example to your children is to love and respect the mother of your children. Love and respect the mother of your children. That's a great way to show your kids a good example of love in your home. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 in the NIV says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ laid his life down for the church. Men are to lay their lives down for their wives. Sometimes, I mean, it certainly doesn't mean necessarily going to a cross as Jesus laid down his life for us. But sometimes men lay down their lives for their wives. Amen. There are things that Mary enjoys doing that I could care less about. But I like being with her I love being with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I better straighten that out right yes, now, huh? Yes. <laughs> I do. I love being with her. But I hate those little theater seats. 
sitting in those little theater seats. She likes to go to the theater. She likes to, you know, not that we go a lot or anything like that. A couple of times we've been, you know, to see one of the big plays that are out there or whatever, Phantom of the Opera. We went to uh, Toronto, you know, and uh, saw that years ago. But I don't like sitting. Those little, man, I can't hardly stand up after sitting there for all them hours, you know. And I'm not really into all of that stuff on the, on the stage or whatever. But I, I support her and I love her. And uh, it's not nearly as bad as going to the cross. And you planned a whole vacation. Late, late. I did. I planned a vacation like that for her that she liked and that she enjoyed doing. I, I'm not just saying this to puff me up today. I'm just saying that there are things that we don't even think about sometimes uh, that is really laying down ourselves for the purpose of blessing our wife. We want to be a blessing to her. You know, uh, some, some relationships are, hey, you go your way, I go my way. You go with the girls and do your thing, I'll go with the guys and do my thing. Da, 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 da. People go like that for like 30 years and then all of a sudden she divorces them. What? And he didn't even see it coming. He said, I thought everything was fine. She says, when's the last time we've been on a date? <laughs> when's the last time we've been together doing anything? You know, and, and uh, you know, that kind of stuff can just build up and build up. And uh, so there are little ways in our houses and in our homes that we can lay down our lives for one another and uh, to be sacrificial. You know, as a matter of fact, Paul instructs us, gentlemen, Paul instructs us, if you're not married, you just go wherever you think you want to go. Think the Lord's leading you here, you just get up and go. But if you're married, you have to consider your wife. Yeah, because you're one. The two of you are one. So you have to consider her. You have to consider her thoughts, her feelings, her desires, her security. You have to consider her. Amen. And so a great way to show our kids how, how much we love them and what love looks like is to love and embrace our wives. Amen. And to even lay down our lives sometimes. Colossians says, uh, Colossians 3 and 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So let there be an outward show of affection for her. Let your kids see you touching her and embracing her. Don't be abusive to her. Don't neglect her. Pay attention to her. Spend time with her. Guys, you taking notes? Spend time with her. There's a great bond between children and their mother. There's just this natural thing. Come on, guys, you know it. You know what I'm talking about. There's just this natural bond between a mother and her children. Amen. And they will pick up on it if you don't treat her right. And eventually, they will lose respect for you. That's true. That, because of that bond to that mother... And because of that kind of a love that's there, that's an invisible kind of a thing, but it's there, you disrespect her and you dishonor her, it will eventually uh, affect them. 
So do the best that you can to love her. Amen. There are a lot of adult children today who resent their fathers because of the way that they treated their mother. Amen. And these are some good guidelines to follow when we're raising our children and when we're caring for our families. But even if you do all of these things, it doesn't mean that it is a guarantee that your children will do right. It means that their chances are much better for their good success if you will do those things, if you will follow those guidelines. There are mothers and fathers who have done everything in their power to raise their children right, and yet they're not serving God. And if that's true today in your life and in your case, don't let the devil beat you up over that and don't let him bring condemnation into your head or into your heart when you know that you've done the best you could to be a good dad or a good mom, good parent to your children and they, and they still don't do right. You've got to be encouraged in this one thing. I know we want them to be doing right and doggone it, I don't, I'm not going to feel good until they are. I, I get that. But take consolation in this, in this one thing that good parents do not always produce perfect kids. And as I said earlier, God is the very best father in the universe and many of his children are rebellious and disobedient. Think about that. You can't, get, you can't be a better father than God. Amen? And yet he's got kids that are rebellious. He's got kids that are disobedient. So, so folks, if, if you got kids that are out there right now and they're not serving the Lord right now and they're not in that place where you would like for them to be and you said, man, I've done everything that I know to do to, to try to enforce that in them and to try to get them to see that and, and yet they're not following it. God's got kids just like that. Amen. After we have done everything we know to do, the only thing left is to pray. Pray. We've loved them, we've affirmed our love for them, we've provided well for them, we've disciplined them properly, we've done everything that we know to do scripturally to bring our kids to a place of a godly life and godly conduct, and yet they're not doing it. When we've done all of that, the only thing left that we can do is to pray. Pray, pray, pray for them until they come around, amen. Praying in faith believing that they will return to the good training that they received while they were growing up. Claim the promises of God. I, I am all in favor of claiming every promise in the word of God over my children, over my family. And this is not a statement of doubt about what I'm about to say here. But the bottom line is this, folks. They have a freedom. If we believe that we have a free will, God does not enforce his will upon us. You know, some people believe that God chooses some to be saved and some to be lost. I don't believe that. I believe that he has given to us a free will. God will bend over backwards to reach us and to talk to us and to woo us by his Holy Spirit, to put us in places where we, we just obviously see that it's his hand in our life. And he'll do all of those things for us. 
but the choice will always be ours. And so you have to realize that, that about your children. I will claim every promise that I see in the Word of God uh, concerning children and concerning parenting and concerning being a good father or, or, or bringing my kids up scripturally. I will claim every promise till the last breath I take. Amen. You need to do the same. But we always realize this one thing that there you can't just because of you saying things over your children's lives make them be a Christian. If you could do that, then it would be just like God making you be a Christian. And he doesn't do that. He gives us the free will. But I'll tell you what, we ought to be doing everything, everything in our power to bring our children to that place of making that decision in their own heart and in their own mind to follow after Christ. Amen. So pray in faith. Pray believing those scriptures. Lay hold of them. Claim them for every one of them. And don't stop praying. Amen. It's in God's hands. They are in God's hands when you commit them unto the Lord. I'm going to close with this last verse of scripture. And then I'm going to call all of the dads up. And I want to speak a blessing over you today. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a scripture that I will claim, that I will believe, that I'll do everything that I know to do while I'm training them up. They may stray for a while. They may get out of God's will for a while. And that while may be a year. It may be 10 years. It may be 30 years. But I'm believing that God will bring them back to that place of what they've been trained in their young lives and that they'll make a decision for Christ. I lay claim to that verse and I hold fast to that verse. Amen. And others just like that for my kids. I want all of my kids to be with me in heaven Amen. one day. Amen. All of my children I want all of my family members to be with me in heaven one day. As a matter of fact, I, I wish that all of my enemies would be with me in heaven one day. That they would change their hearts, give their lives to Christ, submit themselves unto him, and that they would end up in heaven as well. Amen. We should pray that. We should pray that. Amen. Pray for your enemies. Amen. Those that despitefully use you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Pray for them. Pray for them. Amen. So, so we do that. Amen.